Hi, welcome to Colonial Williamsburg, past and present on history.org. This is Behind the Scenes, where you meet the people who work here. That's my job. I'm Lloyd Dobbins, and mostly I ask questions. The edgy tone of today's presidential elections might seem like a manifestation of modern times. The bitter election of 1800 set a precedent for American politics. This season's first electronic field trip, The Will of the People, brings to life this moment in American history, reminding us how often the past is replayed in the present. I'm Bill White. I'm the Teresa and Larry Salamino Director for Educational Program Development. I'm responsible for Colonial Williamsburg's Education Outreach Initiative. I like the idea of this particular field trip because so many people I talk to say, isn't it a shame that politics is so bitter now? We're contentious people. We've always been a contentious people. We, we're always um, at each other's throats, it seems, um, about uh, important issues. And, and these political campaigns, these debates, are the way that, that we, as a country, get together and argue out some important issues for ourselves. The election of 1800 um, uh, was probably the first of those. Um, you, you've got to remember that, uh, of course, uh, Washington is the first president, and, and he's, he's pretty much just elected by acclamation. He could have been king. So. It, he's the great man. He, he is the great American. And, and of course, uh, he's going to be elected uh, the first time and the second time um, uh, by wide margins. But by the time you get to that third election, um, uh, there's, uh, there's a little bit more competition. So uh, John Adams doesn't win by the wide margin that, uh, that a Washington does. And... Um, and, and the politics that had started in the, um, in the Washington administration between the Jefferson and the Jeffersonians and Hamilton and the Hamiltonians, who then become the Federalists, you know, starts to heat up uh, big time over a, over a series of issues that are absolutely critical to the country. People have forgotten, if indeed they ever knew, how personal the elections used to be. I mean, they, they weren't arguing over politics and principle only. They were arguing over quite personal things. Well, it, yeah, but personal in a, in a very impersonal kind of way. Mm -hmm. So um, Adams, Washington and Adams and Jefferson, uh, all through the 19th century, none of these presidential candidates actually go out and stump for themselves. It's actually mm -hmm. unseemly. If, uh, if it appears that you actually want the office of president, then you probably shouldn't have it. Yeah. Uh, so, <laughs> you know, that may not be a bad idea. <laughs> so um, it's their agents, then, who um, are out there politicking for them, and it becomes very, very nasty. And, and so in, in 1800, uh, let's see, in 1800, um, you have the Federalist um, charging that, uh, that um, uh, Thomas Jefferson... Is uh, is an anti-Christian. Uh, he had, he had helped to foster the um, resolution for um, uh, religious freedom in Virginia. So he was anti-Christianity. Was going to take all the New England Bibles away from from all those folks up north. Um, that um, he was a um, he was a radical. Remember also that the French Revolution's going on at the time, mm -hmm. and so and he supported the French Revolution, which had become a very bloody affair. Um, with guillotines and the whole nine yards. So they're saying he likes the French Revolution. He's going to bring that kind of uh, violence and turmoil here to the American shores. And then they start to drag out stuff like his uh, um, uh, accusing him of having the uh, affair with Sally Hemings, his slave. That's when that 
story pops out for the first time. Uh, they accuse him of uh, being a coward during the revolution. On the flip side of the coin, um, the uh, Jeffersonians, uh, Jeffersonian Republicans, or the Democratic Republicans, as, as Jefferson calls them, they accuse, uh, they accuse the uh, Federalist of, uh, of being monarchist, um, that they want to bring, uh, bring the monarchy back to America. They want to overturn the revolution and, and bring us to a monarch. Uh, so the Federalists were, um, were um, um, uh, very, very much wanted to have a strong executive. And at one point, Hamilton had talked about, well, maybe an elected kingship is a good thing, but boy, the Jeffersonian uh, uh, folks, they picked that up and they spin it two or three times. And, and they're, accusing, uh, they're accusing John Adams of being a monarchist. Uh, I mean, he, here's one of the great figures of the revolution, uh, being a monarchist. So these, they start throwing these things back and forth, and it's really personal. You've got to remember that, uh, that uh, Jefferson and uh, Adams... After the election of 1800, Jefferson and Adams don't speak to each other for 10, 15, probably almost 20 years. Is that the one where Adams refused to attend Jefferson's inauguration and left uh, town he, he before? He leaves town, leaves town before the inauguration. Yeah. That's right. That's, that's, um, that's angry. That's angry. That's, that's angry. But at the same time, um, uh, Jefferson's inaugural speech, we are all... Republicans, we're all Federalists. We're all the American people. Let's draw ourselves back together again. And that's what's remarkable about Americans, is that uh, that that election of 1800 represents the first opportunity for Americans to have this really contentious, um, very divisive debate um, in our society. And in the end, turn back around, peacefully transfer the power in the country from one political party to the next, and pull back together as an American people. Elections were different then. Uh, vice presidents ran quite independently. Well, and this is the other. This is the other big crisis. Uh, this is a, this is a. The election of 1800 um, causes a constitutional crisis uh, because uh, the the notion was that um, so you would you would uh, elect these electors who went to the electoral college and they cast their vote, and the individual who got the largest number of votes would be the president, and then the, the runner-up would be the vice president. And what happens is the electors cast their ballots, and Jefferson and Aaron Burr are tied. <laughs> well, what happens, to, what happens to a tied election in our constitutional system? What, what's supposed to happen is that the election then goes to the House of Representatives to be decided. Well, the Federalists are controlling the House of, of, uh, of Representatives. They don't have enough votes, though, to be able to actually um, uh, elect a Federalist candidate. Um, but they keep this thing tied up day after day after day, voting, and the voting turns out exactly the same. Those two candidates are tied. They're tied, they're tied, they're tied. And finally, in the end, um, Alexander Hamilton throws his support behind Jefferson because he hates Aaron Burr more. Then, finally, they break the impasse. But uh, the Congress will come back right after that, and they'll pass the resolution, uh, the, the, um, the amendment to the Constitution that says, okay, we're going to have two separate candidates and two votes in the, in the Electoral um, College. So uh, we'll have candidates who are running for the president. We'll have candidates who are running for vice president. And we'll take two separate votes. 
the way we do it, I'm amazed we get it done at all. Well, and a lot of people think that a lot of people think that somewhere, um, you know, written in the Constitution or the laws somewhere, there's a bunch of laws that tell us how we're supposed to do these things. But that's not the fact at all. Um, we've been making these rules up as we go along. Um, they were making them up uh, in the election of 1800. Um, we're still we're still making them up today. Um, and there's a lot of discussion today about what should be next. How should we be selecting our candidates to do a better job with it? Um, so it probably isn't the the best uh, solution, but uh, it also does one other thing that that. Uh, that uh, early American leaders were concerned about. Most of these guys in 1800 are really worried about the common men and women who are out in the general public. They don't believe that they're really qualified to make these decisions. The democratic mob. It really needs, it's a democratic mob, and that it's very fickle, and we uh, we can't really trust um, those common people to make those decisions. That's why we end up with a representative system is because uh, it, it allows them to, um, it, it allows us then to elect people who are smarter than us, was the original idea, was to elect people smarter than us to help us make these decisions. Now, I, uh, a lot of folks today are not really sure it worked out that way, but, um, but uh, that's, their, that's their thinking at the time. Um, they're, they're looking for ways to make sure that the, the brightest, the smartest, the best um, are actually moved ahead, and, and so the... The, um, originally, the House of Representatives is elected by the people. The Senate is appointed by state legislators. And the president is elected by an electoral college that uh, is always one step removed from the, from the general public, from that mob uh, of uh, democracy. It's difficult then. It's difficult today. Um, what, what is clear is that um, the Federalists want to have a stronger central government. They believe that, they believe that having a good, strong executive and having um, a lot of federal control over the states, the, the federal government exercising control over the states will build the nation and make it stronger for commerce, for all kinds of reasons, for defense, for... And then you have the Jeffersonian Republicans who are saying, no, 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 no. If you do that, then you're going to suck all the authority and the power away from the states and away from individuals and their communities. And that's where government actually happens. It's down here in the local level in those communities. And you don't want to squash that. What we want to do is nurture and encourage that. The federal government should help that. And there are certain things that are assigned to the federal government, like a common defense, but... You know, you shouldn't be usurping the the powers of the of the individual states or of the local uh, community. So it's a very different picture um, in in how you should govern. The electronic field trip, will of the people. Yep. Shows you the election of the 1800s, and gives you some understanding that uh, political dislike between parties, people, is not a new idea. Well, it's not a new idea. Um, it, it, it shows you just how, shows kids, just how angry and contentious that, that uh, discussion was, that debate was, and also makes the point that it is how we, as an American people, um, um, 
hammer out the issues that are important to us. We do it in these very public political spheres. That's Colonial Williamsburg, past and present this time. Check back often. We'll post more for you to download and hear. The electronic field trip, The Will of the People, airs October 16, 2008, on history.org slash trips and on local public broadcasting stations. Send us your feedback at history.org slash podcasts. Thank <laughs> you.